Welcome to episode 15 of Sitting Now. I can't believe it's 15 already, you guys. Um, today, we're actually in a studio together, a different location to our normal place in a different studio. I'm yeah. here with uh, W himself, JW. <laughs> it's, elaborate. it's changed from, from each show, isn't it? Yeah, it changes from each show. And the uh, the beast from the east himself, uh, <laughs> Paul, Banneker, Paul Banneker's yeah, here. Finally, all three of us in the have same you, room. Have yeah. you successfully changed your accent yet? Well, not for this show. No. <laughs> Paul's planning on changing his accent um, because, you know... He's, we have reg- regular updates. Yeah, I'd like yeah. to get a job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to get a job in this country. No. Summerfield, no. maybe. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. So, yes, today we have an interview with Dr. Bob Kieran again, our, our, our friend who writes uh, some really cool books on vampires and zombies. Yeah. And today we're talking about zombies, so that's going to be cool. Who I didn't realise until today is protective over his age. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as you'll find out I don't think that doing the interview with the uh, his latest book was plugged enough no that's true yeah we should probably plug his book a bit more yeah. uh, we'll he's talk about it now it's, it's it's out now in fact how long has it been out I'm not sure it's fairly recent recent yeah, yeah um, I th- uh, sorry uh, Zombies isn't it that's what it's oh no no it's, it's not actually out yet according to Amazon it's called Zombies a Field Guide to the right. Walking Dead uh, it's paperback and uh, yeah well, I mean, it's we'll probably ha- on pre-order yeah it is on pre-order um, we can, we're going to get a copy of it to review so look it up on no, the site no it's in stock at Amazon oh, perhaps that's only in the American market yeah I think it is yeah it's right yeah because a lot of the research that you put into this book uh, was over the world, so I expect over the different markets, perhaps they've got different. Yeah, I know. It time. comes out in America first, I think, but it's mm. fairly cheap in, in America. Yeah, it's I only it was, ten dollars. Yeah, yeah. right. Let's, uh, let's have a cut to the week's uh, activities. We've actually got reviews up on the site. Finally, we've got the review yeah. section working. There was a problem with it where we could see it, and people, you know, that weren't logged into the site couldn't see it, which is a problem. But uh, so yeah, we've got like a ton of stuff up now, and we've got loads of stuff coming in to us to be reviewed, which is great. So. There's going to be tons of stuff, so keep looking at the site. I mean, we're going to go over some of the stuff today, some of the stories and some of the reviews. The first one was uh, Secret Chiefs 3. I went to see them in London, finally, and if you remember back to episode 2 and 3, was it? Yeah. I was yeah. at the gig myself. Yep, yeah. <laughs> Paul was at the gig and got battered <laughs> yeah. to death. Um, and you were unconscious, weren't you? Yes, I was. Yeah. <laughs> so, do you want to go into that a bit? What yeah, come on. Well, not really. I just... no, no, come on, you're going to. I saw the first two acts and I uh, wanted to see uh, Secret Chiefs up close. I was in the second row and uh, I guess everyone was uh, pushing to get forward and uh, someone knocked me out. It could have been an elbow or headbutt or whatever. <laughs> and uh, I got dragged out. And there was blood. Secu- <laughs> there was blood. 
and uh, I got dragged out by the security and uh, dragged up. Oh, yeah, I was, just, I was <laughs> taken out. You got, you got drugged out by the security. <laughs> <laughs> no, dragged out. And, uh, yeah. But anyway, but yeah, the show was really good. It was great to finally see them, and uh, you know, finally uh, see Trey again. So that was good. But uh, what else have we got on the site? Let's have a look. We've got. Oh right, yeah. This this is a weird story. This kind of got my attention because of the music on it. But uh, there's a solar powered mp3 benches take norway by storm and there's a great picture if you have a look on the site it's uh it's still up on the feature an old lady yeah there's a uh picture it's a really of a crude bench as well isn't it? it's yeah. been made really shoddily yeah it's, it's really rubbish which adds to the humor value yeah i was going to show you the picture yeah. okay if you go on the website it's, it's up there there's a woman who, who doesn't look that different from a family member of mine actually no but she's uh yeah, she looks like an old British nanny, yeah. but she's got a, and a chow chow dog, but uh, she's it's this huge crude bench with two MP3 players. I think they look like iPods or something like built into the side. But mm. uh, but apparently, because um, this is in Norway, yeah. they, they're playing Carda, which is awesome because Carda is like, you know, yeah, one of my favourite. Yeah, you were saying they're in Norway. They couldn't do that in Britain because they'd be they'd be chapped up. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the MP the bench would be there still, but the yeah. MP3 players would be dug out or something. That would be quite quite typical of uh, British behaviour there I think actually um, I said earlier that that looks like a family member it doesn't look like her at all now all right. it did from that angle I'm looking on a different monitor now but yeah we've got a few record reviews up as well uh, Kylesa which is an amazing album I really enjoyed that and even better is Asva which I think is my, probably my favourite record this year so far you liked it as well didn't you Paul yes I do it's really good it's kind of less it's still doomy but there's some more kind of like esoteric kind of sounding uh moments in it and there's actually bits where it speeds up which is quite impressive <laughs> which I think quite kind of strange I think it's in the third track it's kind of strange it's good though and Sontaran Experiment um, which is obviously Paul uh, who does some stuff for us so <laughs> it yeah, wasn't biased if, if it really is it, a, if, it, if it is by someone affiliated with the site it isn't actually good yeah so he's a, in an actual good band yeah <laughs> which is quite so, rare yeah. and we did actually say to him that if we do review it we we're going to be honest about it yeah. so there was the potential that we'd hate it but no it is such a good record I'm yeah. so impressed that it. it was good and uh, but yeah and also we've got whatever happened to MC Double Def mm. DP and what I'm going to do is going to play a bit of a clip of this because this is one of the funniest things I've ever seen it's basically a video to promote uh, in, to, to stop internet piracy not even internet piracy this is before the internet this is video yeah video. Is, yeah it's uh, no this is compu it's computer game piracy right. back in the day and uh, we're going to play a little clip the storyline well you can watch the whole video on our site but the storyline <coughs> is that these two kids are about to copy a, a floppy disk of um, they're gonna, they're gonna just play the clip yeah okay <laughs> Did I hear you right? Did I hear you saying that you're gonna make a copy of a game without paying? Come on, guys! I thought you knew better. Don't copy that floppy. Wait a minute. Who the heck are you anyway? Yeah. And what are you doing on our computer? I'm your MC Double Death. That's the disc protector for you and the posse. That's the artists, writers, designers, and programmers that work up the images for games and grammar that let you learn, but also play. So, guys, have you learned your lesson now? Not yeah, to. I'll oh, never do it again. Not today. I think this is what's lacking in today's society: is <laughs> the lack of a, yeah, uh, role a positive role model. Like, yeah. Yeah, even if he is a bit of a riff. 
ripoff of the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. But <laughs> anyway, I suppose we should uh, do some site announcements. Yeah, like I said, we've got reviews up now, so um, obviously send us stuff to review. We'll review anything. And Paul's left his phone on. No, but anyway, <laughs> we've, I'm, uh, on the site actually, I'm quite pleased to see that we've started branching out, if if that's the right way, into the conspiracy uh, sort of side of things. Really? Well, we, we, talking about in in the episode with wasn't it um, the, the one, recent one, the last one, with, moved, yeah. yeah. With I, I, I like I like that sort of side of the city. Yeah, we'll there. do some more. You like conspiracies? Oh yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm not, that doesn't mean to say that I believe any of them. Oh, that's mm. good. But I like you find I, alternative I, yeah. history interesting. Oh, I like, I like to get myself clued up, but I don't believe many th- theories. Like You'd that. like to? We'd like to do an episode on JFK exclusively. Yeah, we'll get an author in, and uh, yeah, mm. you'll be bang up for that, won't you? So. I don't think it'll be available <laughs> for interview though. No, I think yeah, <laughs> it might be a, might be a bit of a problem. Uh, okay, so yeah, if you want to get in contact with uh, me, you can contact me at ken at sittingnow.co.uk. Uh, it doesn't matter my email; I didn't get it yet. You've <laughs> got one. You've no, got one. You've I do have it. one. You've forgotten I, it, haven't you? No, I did. You've forgotten it. No, the thing I is, know what it I is. am disappointed that no one has. No, yet. your email address is paul at yes, sittingnow.co.uk. But what he's trying to say and is that no one has emailed him. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he's only got spam. Uh, he's probably not logged in in so long that they've just deleted his account. Do you have one, Jacob? I've got one. Yeah. JW at sittingnow.co.uk yeah. or the dot coms work as well. Yeah, oh yeah, we've got dot So if you yeah. accidentally mistype it, we've got we'll, mm. we'll still get it, which is quite cool. Uh, what else? What else? What else? We've got um, yeah, we're going to branch out into some other mediums as well. Ooh, more on that in the yeah, future. more on that in the future. And also, there's a big announcement coming from the site to do with Raymond Wiley and myself and one of our other writers. So well, I can't really say what it is yet. Is he expecting? Huh? Is he expecting? Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. I've made it sound like we're <laughs> getting married or something. Haven't they? No, no. Yeah. <laughs> There's something happening with us, like the Ooh. sitting oh, that, You've made it sound even worse. Yeah, it's a group. It's a group pregnancy. Right. I'm <laughs> uh, but yeah, okay. That's a that's a role to the interview with Robert Curran or Bob Curran, yeah. as we like to call him. <laughs> Dr. Bob Kieran, thanks for coming on the show again. We really appreciate you coming back. Um, it's always great to have you on. No trouble, Cam. And uh, yeah, today I think we're going to be talking to you about your new book, which is about zombies, I believe. Well, it is. It's a, it's a field guide to the walking dead. So uh, the publisher has called it zombies, although we have an idea about, about what zombies are. So what I want to do maybe from the outset is clarify what zombies are. Would that be okay? Yeah, that's great. Okay. Well, normally, Ken, we think of zombies as sort of uh, mindless people who wa- who rise from the grave and wander about and um, who have no souls. And, well, I- I'm beginning to talk about some of my colleagues, so I'd better m- move on. Um, but uh, the term zombie itself does not mean a walking dead man. So uh, it actually means a god, because in some of the African beliefs, um, the question is, and we'll come back to this, Mm. is what motivated the zombie? Was the zombie conscious? Was the zombie, um, the body of the zombie housing a sort of uh, evil spirit? Or was, and did it actually have no brain at all? So what I want, uh, I wanted to do in the book was to give the broadest guide to the Walking Dead, which we, can, for want of a better word, we might call zombies. So we have um, very early stuff, which comes from uh, Egypt. 
we have uh, stuff which comes from Ireland, we have stuff which comes from Japan, and we have examples uh, which come from Haiti and stuff like that, which are the more conventional zombies. Ah, excellent. So this is a bit like your research with vampires as well, where you kind of looked socially, socio-culturally across the world kind of thing, and uh, um, you've done a kind of comparison-y kind of thing? Absolutely, because uh, most cultures... Um, look at the living dead and um, I mean we tend to think of it this is the sort of Haitian zombie or the American zombie or something like that but all cultures have them yeah that's interesting and it's uh, it's interesting that that kind of mirrors almost the the vampire uh, kind of discoveries you made as well that they all had their own kind of uh, they had because one of the the basic things, Ken, is um, the desire to know what's on the other side whenever we die, mm-hmm. and if there is some sort of immortality, and if, for example, we can come back. Uh, because, as we were talking about the last time, uh, for many ancient cultures, death was simply not the end. Nowadays, we tend to think of death as the end of our actual involvement in the world affairs. For many ancient cultures, this was not the case. For instance, the dead, uh, as it says in the book, could come back for various reasons. And the church actually taught us at at some stages. Um, And the Christian church actually taught us, because they said that on certain nights of the year, what they called the blessed dead were entitled to come back and do all sorts of things. For instance, they were allowed to come back to warn to advise, so if, you've, uh, if you're uh, suffering from the credit crunch, one of your dad, uh, dead ancestors could come back and sit down with you and go through your finances, um, uh, or they could come back to complete uh, things, uh, tasks which they had not completed in, in their uh, own lives whenever they were alive. Hmm. Um, the church taught that at certain times they could come back and torment you because you hadn't said masses for them and therefore you had denied them either heaven or hell or eternal reward so um, that came uh, into some of the Christian teaching and they came back on specific nights of the year for example Halloween which is coming up very soon or even on May Eve the end of April uh, which was also a mystical time. But certainly at, Hall- uh, at Halloween, I remember going down in 1993 um, to southwest Fermanagh here in Ireland and sitting with an old man uh, there, and uh, Mary, my wife, was with me. And he told us both the story of uh, his grandfather coming back from the grave on Halloween night, and now he was an, an old man, and he was um, very well thought of in the district, and he was uh, um, an official of the church, uh, mm. the local church, and he said that he remembered his grandfather coming in and lifting the latch, um, maybe about eight or nine on Halloween night, and there was a chair left for him beside the fire, and he came in, and he sat down, and he had a glass of whiskey, and he smoked his pipe. Uh, and um, the only difference between uh, um, when he was dead and when he was alive was that he didn't speak. Hmm. And uh, sometimes um, uh, George's, the old gentleman's mother, uh, would leave a bowl of soup for him, and he would take it because, uh, as he he said, uh, he had been in the clay for about a year or a year and a half, and um, he was very, very cold. 
Uh, and he actually said he remembered climbing on the corpse's knee and touching the skin and uh, finding it very, very cold. Now, I said, oh, you're not scared? He says, no, why should I be? He was my grandfather. And uh, at night, uh, the uh, family went uh, back to bed. I went on to bed, and he sat there, and in the morning he was gone. Now, whenever the old gentleman went out to make us a cup of tea, uh, Mary turned to me and said, you know, he's having you on. But why should he? And I spoke to several other people who remembered things like, remembered being in his house and seeing the grandfather coming in. Now, whenever I was brought up in the Moorn Mountains in County Down here, um, an old lady who lived down the road from us used to throw the fine ash uh, at the foot of the fire around the hearthstone on Halloween night. And uh, if it was disturbed in the morning, she knew that the dead had come and danced on the hearthstone. Ah. So there you are. So uh, there's a, there's a common belief as to what goes on after death. Can the dead come back? Uh, in some cases, it was believed that the dead can come back, as with George's um, grandfather, uh, could come back and enjoy the, the things that they enjoyed in life. Um, up to a point. I mean, uh, they had a glass of whiskey, they had a uh, a meal. Uh, My grandmother, my own grandmother, used to set uh, an extra place on Halloween night in case the dead would return (laughs) Um, at the table whenever we were all having our tea. And uh, things like that. And uh, it was believed that the dead could come back or they could come back in, uh, in an emergency. Uh, to uh, advise, to warn, to admonish if you are behaving very, very badly, the dead can come back. A dead ancestor could come back and take um, uh, and warn you. So the dead continued to take an interest in the uh, in the affairs of the living. So they weren't all sort of slack jawed and glassy eyed and mm-hmm. things like that, lurching about the roads as we see in uh, in some of the zombie films. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was going to actually bring you up on that one quickly about yeah. why, in most zombie films, the way of uh, passing across the zombie gene, for use of a better word, is by the zombie biting the flesh of a uh, of one of its victims. Um, where, why is why is that our kind of popular perception of um, of, of zombies today? Uh, and, uh, the quick answer, Kim, is that it's a film. Uh, it, um, it, it passes on the gene that, like the vampire, whenever it bites you in the neck, mm. you become a vampire. So it looks good, you know. Um, it creates atmosphere, it creates tension, it creates something like that, and uh, it's good filmically, uh, filmically. Mm. Um, so um, that, uh, uh, if the zombie bites you in the neck, it also gives the impression that the zombie is a flesh eater. Hmm. And uh, this comes from uh, the this comes from the slave um, idea, where zombies were believed. Uh, a number of our ideas of the zombie come from uh, the West Indies and from places like Haiti and from 
uh, places uh, like Barbados and places like that, where there was a great slave population. Now, many of these slaves came from Africa. Many of these slaves were owned by, uh, worked on the plantations which were owned by white people. Now, the white people were uh, very, very uh, much afraid of the slaves because you had hundreds of, uh, in some of the big plantations, you had hundreds of slaves working, uh, mainly black, and uh, with uh, very few whites uh, in, in the area. And there was always a, a fear that the slaves would, would rise up. And uh, it was assumed that because they came from places like Guinea and um, uh, the uh, Dahomey on the coast of Africa, that they were cannibal and that they were less than the white plantation owners and that they would turn on the white plantation owners and eat them if they could. So you had that perception which feeds into a lot of our cultural perceptions about the zombie, that it's a flesh eater, that it eats the brain. Um, in fact, there was supposedly, uh, now no one has ever found any um, um, evidence for this, that, uh, but whenever I was in Louisiana, there was a, a whisper about a cult which lived in the Bayou country, around uh, uh, New Orleans. Mm. And uh, this was called uh, the cult of the Cochon Gris. Ooh. Uh, the gray pig. Now, the gray pig is human flesh. And they were supposed to eat. Um, uh, they practiced cannibalism. And it was uh, assumed that many of the cults among the slaves also practiced cannibalism. Hmm. Uh, particularly those who followed, uh, you may know that uh, uh, we, we look on voodoo. Voodoo is roughly, and this is only a rough rule of thumb, split into two. You have Dahomey, uh, Rada, which uh, comes from Dahomey, uh, or as uh, is now known, Benin. Uh, now that is a very old religion. That's a spirit-based religion in which the zombie is possessed by the Loa, or the spirit from uh, the spirit world. You have um, a, uh, another form which is known as Petro Voodoo, which is uh, practiced in the Spanish-held Western uh, West Indies. Um, and this takes its name from a black slave uh, who took a Spanish name, Don Pedro, who is supposed to have danced a great dance and uh, drunk gunpowder mixed with um, rum. I don't try this tonight. Um, <laughs> um, it was a famous couple, actually, of the pirate Blackbeard. Um, but um, gunpowder mixed with rum and danced in a great frenzy. Uh, and this is what you see in some of the films, you know, the great dancing and the, and the spinning, and that's Petro Voodoo, the Arada Voodoo. Um, the Rada Voodoo takes the name from Arada in Dahomey. Hmm. Um is uh, or Benin uh, is a more stately and is c much more closely based with the Catholic religion. Hmm. Uh, Bobby, you were talking the going back. You were talking about uh, Halloween, of course, which yep. is topical at the moment, coming up soon. Absolutely. Um, obviously, with Halloween, you've got more sort of zombies. Uh, I suppose you could, you could say they're recognised more, and a lot more stories come out at around Halloween. What? Do you think, hypothetically speaking, for zombies, do you think Halloween has an effect on their activities? Do you think they're more active at that time, or do you think it's just the celebration of Halloween? Well, you see... Do you think that, that that's it just, it's just a public perception or not? 
It's yes, it's uh, to some extent it is a, a public perception because Halloween uh, was traditionally the time when the dead returned, and we we talked about this earlier again, where in which the dead were permitted to return at certain times of the year. These were supposedly the blessed dead, those who died in the Lord, or and I'm speaking in the in the Christian tradition. And you have other um, and other cultures as well. For example, you have the Day of the Dead in Mexico, and you have uh, other um, festivals uh, slightly later towards Christmas uh, in places like Latvia uh, and in the Baltic States. So um, it is uh, these uh, Halloween, of course, in Western culture has got a, a sort of name about it. You know, this is the time when spook, uh, spooky things happen. Uh, um, Halloween was actually a day, a time when the dead came back to remind you to say masses for them. The, the, the following day is the is All Saints, uh, in which you should be praying for the dead in, in your uh, in the church. And this was the time when the, the dead came back with a holy uh, mission to remind you to say masses for them. So you might see them on the roads. Now, people um, became terrified in the thought of the dead walking about on the roads and like zombies or rising from the tomb and, and, and dandering about. So uh, the, the, that feeds into a sort of cultural perception of fear and this is the time when the the, the zombie things return and uh, and uh, torment people and terrify people and do a wickedness uh, and uh, here in Ireland uh, some of these things can be attributed to the fairies because the fairies were supposed to be at their most powerful at Halloween because it was the time when um, perhaps good was suspended and evil reigned. But um, that, once again, is a cultural perception. And um, uh, it was uh, it's a time when the, the nights are dark and uh, it is an, uh, an ancient uh, festival when fires were lit to try and restore... Um, uh, uh, warmth to the sun and light to the to the evenings, things like that. So it, it's all tied in with culture, and I think uh, both television and cinema have played on this and have uh, ingrained it even more into our psyche. Yeah, I was wondering if you could uh, dwell a bit more in the uh, parallels between the cultures and different countries, and uh, where the uh, the similarities in. Uh, in the subjects? Well, everybody, uh, I think, no matter what culture you're in, has an interest in uh, what lies beyond the tomb. Um, and there was, for example, there was a notion, um, uh, there was actual physical manifestations of this from time to time. For, um, uh, where I was brought up, um, uh, there was uh, a, a graveyard down the road from us. And there was supposed to be uh, a small house in that in which the families of um, the deceased could wait for seven days in, in case the dead were buried alive. So there was a tradition uh, in my part of the world of people sometimes being buried alive. If I can tell you a personal story, uh, one of the first jobs I had whenever I left school was actually a grave digger. 
and uh, maybe that explains my uh, fascination with zombies and the like. But um, I started digging, uh, we did what was called breaking graves. Now that means that uh, you were working in the mountain parishes where burial space was at a premium and you could reopen old graves. You went to a thing called an allotment book and if the grave was unmarked and um, if there had been no record of any burial for 100 years, you could open it and use it for fresh burials. Uh, so a lot of people wouldn't open the graves, but I didn't mind. So uh, we began to open the graves, and uh, sometimes you find stuff in it, and uh, I found an old coffin lid, and on the inside of the coffin lid, uh, the inside of the coffin lid had been lined, and the lining had been torn away. And the marks of the fingers were actually in the wood of the coffin lid. Whoever had been buried there had been buried alive. So that tradition uh, came in. Uh, I, I make reference in the book to people like Constance Whitney. Now, Constance Whitney uh, comes from London, uh, was a very famous lady in London who was buried and laid in her, oh, in her coffin, and a Saxon took a notion of uh, a ring. Uh, before the, the the coffin was screwed down and uh, tried to prise it off her finger, and she sat up, and she continued to live for another uh, uh, number of years after that. So you, that tradition. But um, then you have a tradition where holiness, for instance, in Japan, where you have the living mummies, and uh, this was a a manifestation of supreme holiness. So you have this notion of death, but you also have people who turn themselves into the living dead. Hmm. Now, in Japan, the living mummies are created as uh, in the Buddhist tradition. And um, I can go and I'm, I'm actually sitting looking at uh, how you create one here. And it was a very uh, 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 holy person who did this. Now, uh, the, uh, the thing came in three stages. Each stage lasted 1,000 days, which was roughly three to three and a half years. Uh, the ascetic, um, or the holy man, uh, was to refrain from all wheat, all flour, and milk products, and was only to subsist on seeds and nuts, which grew within the immediate vicinity of his temple or hermitage. And um, he decreased also his water intake, uh, limiting himself to a cupful every two to three days. And it drew off his body, and that reduced his body weight, and it drew off all the, the sort of uh, toxins which might um, subject him to death, or and, uh, uh, sorry, uh, might subject him to decay. The second stage was even much more restrictive. Um, he had to stop taking water completely and lived only on pine on pine needles and pine seeds. And uh, he was permitted only to drink a special tea made from the bark of a certain tree, the, the Yershushi tree. Uh, and that was used in the preparation of furniture polish and was extremely poisonous. Um, but um, they only took small cups of it. Uh, so uh, the poison produced vomiting, intense uh, sweating, and uh, other bodily sort of functions. Um, and uh, as the toxins began to build up in his body, it killed off all the parasites and maggots, which would decay the bodily tissues. 
and that lasted a thousand days. The third um, process, uh, by this time he was little more than a living skeleton, and um, the third stage of the process was to uh, find out uh, a small um, um, place in which he could sit, uh, and in which he could be walled up, and uh, all intake of any anything stopped and he simply sat in a lotus position and uh, in a small stone alcove uh, which was then um, walled up with a gap right. which would allow a bell to be rung <laughs> now the the uh, the bell told uh, once each day to say that the ascetic was still alive and whenever the the bell stopped tolling uh, the monk was formally dead and uh, uh, this was usually counted at the end of another thousand days, and the body became venerated. The body was then polished. Um, it was simply a, a, a bag of bones, and uh, but because of this uh, ingestion of polish, it had become uh, glistening, mm. and so it was then um, polished up and placed on display. And the the most famous uh, of those were held. At the t- uh, in Mount Yodono, which is in the north of Japan, right. and it is reckoned that by the time it was stopped, uh, the Japanese government actually uh, stepped in and stopped this uh, because of monks committing suicide. Uh, looked at the monks committing suicide, but by the time they stopped it in the 1930s, there were between 16 and 24 of these living mummies still intact in northern Japan, held in the monasteries. <laughs> Um, and it was considered lucky among the Japanese to go and look at them and uh, and to touch them. Um, so you had that. That was a symbol of supreme holiness. Yeah. Um, we're actually going to quickly just jump to a break now um, for five minutes and we'll... Um, That's okay. And uh, we shall see you on the other side. That's okay. Okay. Excuse me, I've got some information I'd like to share with you. Did you know that 26 billion pickles are packed each year in the U.S.? That's about 9 pounds of pickles per person. More than half the cucumbers grown in the U.S. are made into pickles. Hey, pickle boy, let's talk pickles. The Podcast Pickle, that is. The Podcast Pickle is your resource for all the latest and greatest podcasts found in cyberspace with thousands of podcasts listed and more added every day. Here's some of the podcasts that you'll find at podcastpickle.com. <laughs> Geek Foo Action Grip. Beachcast. Comic Geek Speak. Speechless. Mad Pain. This Week in Tech. Warren Town Talk. NASCAR Zone. Shelly the Republican. A Voice from Eden. Jimmy McBean. Five Minutes with Wichita. Cinema Playground. Offbeat. The Logo Factory. The Exit 50. This and That with Jeff and Pat. Thoughts on Psychiatry. Web Hosting Show. Merlin from Berlin. Random Cast. Jazz with Tiger. American Road Trip Show. The Drew M Podcast. The Slam Idol Podcast. Forgotten Tales. The Zencast. XboxStation.net. How to Do Stuff. <laughs> Now, Pickle has a whole new meaning. PodcastPickle.com, the world's best podcast directory.
opening the door to the unknown. Listener feedback. Really looking forward to the new episodes, so keep up with your work, guys. Thanks. Interviews. There's so many movies, so many documentaries, even books that come out that have factual information in it that maybe, you know, this is a gradual way of, of kind of educating the public to as to what's going on. Visit Erie Radio at www.erieradio.com. Okay, we're back with uh, Dr. Bob Curran talking about zombies, and I think uh, Paul had a question for Bob. Yeah, I had a question about your research. Go ahead, Paul. Uh, which locations you've visited and um, what actual uh, on-site on research you've done? Well, we went to Japan. Um, although I didn't get up to see the, uh, the living mummies in Japan, uh, been to Mexico. We had a look at the Day of the Dead, which is a big festival, a uh, bit uh, in like our Halloween. But is that the Zazobra, um, old man gloom kind of? Uh, that's festival. the very thing. Now uh, it has turned into a, a sort of fiesta over there, and you have various figures appearing. Now. Um, uh, these uh, these things represent death or something like that, um, which you will also see in Caribbean folklore. Now, uh, well, I've been to New Orleans and talked to some of the voodoo practitioners there. Uh, we went out into the swamps um, and talked to some of the people there. And um, uh, part of my background, Paul, is that I was brought up among uh, the notions of the walking dead and stuff here in Ireland because uh, without giving away my age, it's about uh, the 1950s and the 1940s um, that we were brought up. And at that time, what was called the Muravio or walking the roads around Halloween night. And these were the dead people who would come into your house and uh, you knew they'd been in because they would sour your milk. Um, whenever the dead entered a house, the milk were supposed to, uh, or the unblessed dead, as it was then. Uh, you had the blessed and the unblessed dead, as you do in many cultures. But uh, yes, uh, the fiesta, you have Baron Gloom, uh, Old Man Gloom, you have uh, sugar skulls representing death. And uh, we tend to think of death as a sort of a very dreadful time and uh, things like that. In many cases, this is to, culturally, this is to make death simply a period of transition. You know, like a rite of passage or a birthday or something like that. Um, whenever you pass over from one side, it's a, it's a very, very old cultural perception. Uh, as I said, uh, for many ancient um, peoples, death was not the end. It was simply, and perhaps a rite of passage uh, is the best way to describe it. And, and for instance, among the ancient Egyptians, the Egyptians believed that whenever they died, uh, they would go across into another world. Or many of the rich people believed this, and they would take their servants with them. Um, so, and they would take their wealth and their animals. Uh, so that whenever you uh, go into the pyramids, 
you will find of a great pharaoh, you will find that uh, many of the bodies of his servants and all lie with him. They were entombed with him, so that uh, you they could serve him in the next world. Some of his favorite animals he took with him, great wealth he took with him, so that he could buy things in the other world. But if you were a servant, as I say, uh, to a great pharaoh, uh, you might have a short life. Yeah. Um. I think basically what we'd like to do for the rest of the interview with you is, uh, like we did with the vampire interview, go through some of the kind of uh, different types of, like, we, like we've like we been doing already, but kind of uh, a few more of the different types of zombies that you encountered in your research. Okay. But also quickly, I was going to mention to you about, um, do you think one of the interpretations of zombies might be from the uh, philosophical standpoint? Um, because I know uh, is it philosopher of the mind, David Chalmers, I'm just looking at Wikipedia here, um, uh said that zombies are hypothetical persons who lack full consciousness but have the biological the sorry the biology or behavior of a normal human being and direct well you see the, the, the uh, yes uh, you can look at the philosophical but you see there were um uh, people there was an actual person for us and i mentioned this in the book we talk about that a bit in the book because there were what were called the half hanged now this goes in uh, if we can talk about penal correction for a minute uh, people were hanged. Now, whenever you're hanged, um, uh, your neck breaks, uh, and that kills you instantly. Or you can be strangled by the rope. So what you have... Now, that wasn't uh, all, um, um, just as meticulously thought out as, uh, as I've just described it. Um, for example, if you read the um, biography of the uh, hangman Albert Pierpoint, uh, he always went in and met his um, the people he was about to hang, he worked his, out the weight so that uh, he could do it quickly and efficiently. But in the uh, in the 1600s, um, people were um, not normally properly hanged, uh, so you could get what were called the half hanged. Some of them were revived after um, they had been hanged. There was a very famous case in the 1700s in the grass market in Edinburgh in which Margaret Dixon was hanged for the murder of her own child and um, she was cut down and she was placed on the cart to be taken to uh, the mortuary and um, on the cobbled streets of Edinburgh uh, she was uh, uh, jiggled about or tossed about and uh, when the... um, when the, the executioner and the mortuary attendant stopped to have a dram in a local pub, um, they left the cart and she got up and went home. Um, and um, much to the alarm of the people round about, and uh, much to the alarm of her husband, who had declared himself a widower and was now claiming an army pension as a widower, and he had to remarry her. But. Um, now, Margaret Dixon was one of the, the conscious ones, but there were a number of the half-hanged who wandered about uh, because the blood had been cut off to the brain by the strangling of the rope. And whenever they came back, they weren't in full consciousness, so they were wandering about a bit like zombies, if you like. So that fed into the zombie and gave the impression that the zombies did not have full consciousness. So you can have a physical manifestation of that, which comes from the uh, the old notion of uh, of hanging or having oxygen cut off, or oxygen cut off to the uh, uh, to the brain uh, in the blood supply, 
or you can have the philosophical notion where zombies are people without full consciousness. Uh, there's been uh, one of the things I did look at when, whenever we were in New Orleans was the work which had been done by Wade Davis. Uh, uh, and uh, we put that into the book because he was quite famous. Um, and Davis, as you know, wrote The Serpent and the Rainbow, which became a film. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and dealt with... Now, Davis posited the theory, which has never been fully um, vindicated or validated, uh, that um, the zombie was actually a person who had been brought... Um, particularly in the West Indies, um, uh, had been brought uh, into the uh, into the state by ingesting some sort of hallucinogen or or, or nerve poison. Um, he had suggested that it came from the liver of the pufferfish uh. and could be administered by uh, local witch doctors or hongans or mambos, the females, or, or the bookhors. Um, uh, who um, give people this uh, poison and, and food, and it paralyzed all their uh, their systems and uh, lent, uh, left them open to real suggestion, uh, so that they became uh, the sort of servants of the bokors and could be sold on. In fact. Um, the great writer, um, or uh, the writer William Seabrook, whenever he wrote about Haiti, um, uh, mentioned uh, this thing called the Colt des Marts, uh, who were in Haiti at the t- who he claimed were in Haiti at the time, and were making a living selling these um, um, zombies on. In fact, I'm actually looking, Ken, at uh, a copy of uh, Article 246 of the 1835 Haitian Penal Code, uh, the the Código uh, Penal de Haiti, All right. which reads as follows. It shall be qualified as attempted murder, the employment which can be made against any person of substance which, uh, sorry, of substances, which without causing death produce a lethargic coma or, or less prolonged. Uh, this is a sort of English translation of the French. Um, if after administering such substances the person has been buried, the act shall be considered as murder no matter what result follows. And it was considered that, uh, and this was put forward by people like Seabrook, that... Um, the uh, people were being drugged and buried alive. Uh, their their breathing became shallow, so they could be buried, and they were dug up and then put to work. In fact, one of uh, Davis's chapters in his book, The Magic Island, which was about Haiti, and which was reprinted all over the world, was a thing called Dead Men Working in the Cane Fields. So, uh, and it said that they were cheap labor. Uh, on the plantations, and of course Davis based his uh, work around uh, the um, example of uh, Clairvis Narcisse. Now Clairvis Narcisse uh, wandered into a village in 1980, uh, uh, on the other side of the uh, of uh, the island of Haiti from where he was born, and um, he was recognised by his sister who was living in this. Uh, um, uh, village as having died uh, over 20 years earlier 
uh, and uh, it was said that he had been given a poudre, a psychotropic drug, in 1962 by one of his brothers, uh, who was a great bokor and had uh, or voodoo practitioner, and had uh, a dispute with him over land, and uh, he had been. Um, turned into a sort of zombie. And this um, gave um, Davis his uh, idea that this might be uh, the notion of the poudres, the psychotropic drugs. So you know, all these all come together in a notion of the zombie. Yeah, definitely. It's interesting. Um, you, you, I was saying earlier on, we've gone through a few examples of okay. zombies now, but I mean, are there any others that you haven't mentioned to us yet or that you'd like to bring up? There are, well, w w uh, I uh, was going to talk about in the book, and there's a fair amount of um, the, um, the notions of the Irish. Um, because the Irish had a great tradition and there were tales from all over. Now, these were simply old folk tales, so we tried to cut these down in the book. Um, uh, but um, we wanted to talk about the Muraview, and I mentioned those earlier. These were the dead who, who rose for various um, uh, reasons and wandered the roads and came into people's houses. There was an, a, a, a fearful story from uh, Drumalig uh, in um, County Cork uh, and I think it had been recounted at one stage by Jer uh, the folklorist Jeremiah Curtin uh, about this um, uh, thing which used to wander along and it had elements of the zombie and it had elements of the vampire because it came into people's houses uh, it could only enter if the floor hadn't been washed properly and there was dirty water in the place uh, and, and it came in and actually carried a razor with it and slashed people's throats as they slept yeah. and uh, <laughs> That's a nasty one. blood uh, so we decided to leave this out on on the uh, on the reason for reasons of good taste yeah, but uh, uh, we could have we could have mentioned those, and uh, I mean the subject is so vast, Ken. Yeah, it's, it's one of those. Uh, uh, I can imagine there's quite a lot of material. And and the captain, but you only have fifty or sixty thousand words. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, I I mean you're doing that, and and you could talk about uh, the Droger, which, uh, and, and, and I do mention that, and. Uh, which is one of the old Viking um, Walking Dead, and you have um, things uh, they wandered about and uh, beat up people who met, who, who met them on the roads. Uh, some of them travelled about in gangs. Um, or you could have the... Uh, uh, we could have went into greater detail um, um, about the uh, the Louis Yan, uh, Lan, uh, the uh, festival of the hungry ghosts uh, in China, in which um, um, the dead wandered about. The thing about the, uh, this was um, uh, that the dead uh, seemed to wander about with no feet, but uh, because Chinese ghosts and Ch both Chinese and Japanese ghosts have, uh, or very few of them have feet. Um, but uh, the Yui Lan um, used to wander, uh, the dead would wander about. It was, a bit, it was a bit like the Mexican Dio de los Muertos, 
uh, the Day of the Dead, in which they wandered about, and, and it took the form of a public holiday. And um, you could uh, leave offerings. Um, and I remember something similar in Ireland as well. You left offerings of food on the steps of your houses um, so that the dead wouldn't enter. Yes. They would simply take the food and disappear on. One uh, thing I was going to ask you about, actually, was the, um, I know you've done some, I think you've written a book about it, actually, was The Green Man. Yep. And do you think there's any kind of connection between The Green Man and zombies in any way? Or? Well, you see, um, then, uh, you're quite right, Ken, but, uh, because The Green Man had uh, notions of death and resurrection, and um, <coughs> we're looking at, uh, because part of this book on zombies looks about the notion of, of the dead being resurrected, because there's talk of resurrection in practically every culture. And the green man is about uh, death and decay and then coming to life again, uh, perhaps in, in a slightly different way. Now, this was the one of the oldest beliefs that somehow the sun went down and... Uh, and uh, died at, uh, at night and then suddenly rose again in the morning uh, that uh, the sun had somehow died and had risen again and uh, once again in nature you will find um, that uh, with the coming of winter when things die and then in spring they burst into life again and um, uh, this became a sort of universal belief that, that there would be death and resurrection and uh, perhaps maybe in a slightly different form because not all the buds burst forth in, uh, in exactly the same way or not all uh, not all the birds came back in, uh, in exactly the same way. So, um, yes, and uh, it was thought that when the old king died, the new king would sort of uh, burst forth or the new warrior. Now, uh, here in Ireland and parts of Scotland, there are massive uh, areas in which, uh, for instance, Donad uh, in um, the Mull of Kintyre over in Scotland and uh, Lissendolf, uh in the north coast of Antrim uh, at Port Ballantrae. Um, and... Uh, there is where the, uh, the old uh, there's a massive there's two massive concentric circles and one of the theories about it was that the old king when he when he died was taken into the the central place which was close to the, uh, the 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 people the people gathered in the outer circle and uh, he was cut off from them by a great uh, earth wall. And the druids laid him out. And, and, uh, but uh, waiting in there, as soon as the old king was brought in, was the new king. And uh, the new king suddenly rose from... And this was all done at night, of course. The new king suddenly rose from behind uh, the uh, earth wall, as if he was uh, the old king returned to life or in some other form. Uh, and uh, thus the line was continued, and thus the um, connection was made by the old prehistoric kings with the earth and with uh, going into the earth and emerging from the earth, which is the sort of the living dead or the rising dead or the zombie. All right, excellent. Yeah, no, that's uh, it's kind of interesting. I've noticed um, 
a lot of the folklore seem to cross over, don't they, between the vampires and zombies? And the whole thing um, crosses over because uh, the notion of death really—it uh, is the one last great mystery. I think I think the the film industry has got a lot. Uh, it can be blamed for that as well, really, can't it? And, and yeah, but fiction. even since early times, people kept asking, you know, what's on the other side uh, whenever we die? Uh, is it a world like our own, the, and the Egyptians believed it was, or is it somewhere which is either particularly happy or particularly um, nasty or just indifferent? I mean, the ancient Semites believed that Sheol, which lay on the other side, was just a place where you wandered about aimlessly. Um, the... Um, the, uh, some of the ancient Romans, some of the ancient Greeks, believed that Hades was a place where um, you, you were um, subjected to great uh, soldiers who died there, who give a, a continual accounts of their battles for eternity. Um, they kept giving you lectures, and if you're a teacher, Ken, you'll know what sitting through some of the lectures are like. So um, if you had that for eternity... So um, the it's all oh I wonder what lies on the other side of the earth. But yes, you're right. In the modern world, um, both cinema and television have contributed to our notions of what might lie on the other side and what might drag other people back and uh, and, and uh, terrify us or do things to us. Yeah. <clears throat> well, the last question I really wanted to ask you is. Um uh, what what are your own opinions on on zombie? We asked you this with the vampire question as well. I imagine it's going to be fairly similar, but uh, well, yeah. I keep an open mind on the, on, on uh, everything. I mean, uh, part of the zombie tradition. Now, uh, I am not sure whether um, people can be drugged, as it says in the code penal, or or or, or something like that, or whether. Davis is right. Uh, I, I tend to be rather sceptical of that, but uh, there may be uh, things, and people have showed me things which are uh, pudres or goofer dust in the Ozark Mountains, uh, which can supposedly bring the dead back. Um, uh, and um, I'm not sure, but part of it is a cultural thing. Uh, we would not believe in zombies or vampires or fairies or angels or whatever unless we desperately wanted to believe in them. Um, so I think it says uh, part of the, the idea of zombies is not whether the zombie or vampire or whatever exists, but why people would want to believe that they do exist. And possibly it says more about the people than it does about the actual creature which yeah. which they believe in. Yeah, definitely. Now, oh, well, um, have you uh, rectified your website situation yet? <laughs> I am going to try. I, I, I am backwards and forwards. I'm off to America now to, to speak to them about the dead and supernatural lore. Um, and then I'm, I, I'll, I'll let you into another wee secret, though I may have to kill you to do, uh, to do that. I'm busy script, I'm way back scripting comics again. Yeah, ah. I once worked as a comic uh, script uh, writer. So we're doing some stuff uh, for some of the American stuff. So I'm getting my, uh, uh, yes, in answer to your question, yes, but not yet. 
Okay. Well, brilliant. Thanks a lot for giving us your time. I know you're quite busy today. So. Uh, I am. I am tonight. I am going to sit down with my feet up and watch trash television, which uh. I haven't done in a long time. Just, just out of interest, Bob. Yeah, you, you go said ahead. you said you're going to America. Yep. Are you going to New Orleans or not? No, I'm going to Newark, which is com- right. uh, completely different. Yeah. But I, um, we had talked about going back to New Orleans, and uh, because. Uh, I'm one of my other interests uh, is Cajun music uh, and Zydeco. So um, uh, we we talked about going back, but it's one of these things you say we'll do this next year, and yeah. um, uh, we never get around to it. You're you're obviously going to investigate. Will you um, actively partake in any sort of traditions or ceremonies well, or anything? I'm going to ask you a question. Right. Uh, and this actually, uh, there was a mate of mine. Uh, it's, it's not really about. Uh, well, yeah, it is. Uh, he had worked in New Guinea. Uh, he was an anthropologist, and he had worked in New Guinea, and he had worked with a, a river tribe who were cannibals uh, in New Guinea. This is some years ago, and uh, they brought a man. They were at war with another tribe, and they had shot a guy from another tribe, and they brought him back in. And he had, uh, this guy had worked with them for oh, about a year to try and win their confidence. And they brought the man in, the dead body in, and cooked it and ate it. And as he was the honoured guest, he was given the first uh, handful of human flesh to eat. Now, he looked around and he saw the entire tribe watching him. Uh, and he knew that if he refused it, that would undo a year's work. What would you have done? Um, did, did he have a choice over which part he ate first? <laughs> no, he had to. Uh, they, they, they cut off part, uh, uh, I think it was part of the upper arm. Right. And handed <laughs> it to him. <laughs> that would have been. Uh, well, fearing for, for the fact that he might have been the next person that they were going to eat, I suppose he would have eaten it, and I suppose I would too. Because uh, I, I don't. I mean, cannibalism is probably wrong, but if the. Probably, <laughs> it is. <laughs> well, no, I'm saying to kill to kill someone to eat them for the purpose of eating them is is wrong, obviously. But you know these tribes, it's a lot different for the Western world to imagine what, what it is like uh, for those. So I think I probably would have eaten it. Uh, well, he, well, he actually did eat it. Yeah, uh, and he said it's just incredibly like pork. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, what people say. It's like pork. You're talking about cannibalism there. Cannibalism, I suspect, was much more common in the West. And medieval times, yeah. when we realise. Right. Uh, um, I mean, uh, and we'll talk about this sometime again because there could be a book coming out on werewolves. Ah, excellent. Um, you see, I'm, I'm, I'm going through the entire spectrum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Getting the entire folklore. Uh, you get people like Gilles Garnier, the hermit of Dole in France, uh, who ate people. Ah, uh, he was a hermit. He lived alone with his wife away out, and he was feared, and he was um, shunned by the village. And uh, he lived away out in the woods. And uh, whenever the game was bad, uh, it was thought that he ate people right. in order to stay alive. <laughs> yeah, and, and I mean, you have modern. Uh, there was uh, in the late 1960s. There was a plane crash in the Andes. And uh, the survivors eat each other in order to keep alive. Yeah, yeah. There's a film of that, I think, isn't there? There is, indeed. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, Bob, thanks a lot again. I'm sure we're going to have you on again in a few episodes time. <laughs> we've still we, got many we, things we to talk. talking. <laughs> <laughs> we've got uh, many topics. You've covered many topics and we want to go over all of them. Absolutely. <laughs> so we'll, uh... we, we, we'll talk again sometime. Okay, brilliant. And it was lovely talking to you again, Ken. Yeah, you too. Brilliant. See you again, Bob. Bye. All Bye. the best. Cheers. Okay, thanks. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, and we're back. That was a really good interview. Uh, I, I love interviewing that guy. He's just got... Yep. Grateful thanks to Bob. Yeah, it's always good. He's always eager, and he doesn't need much prodding, does he? No, he's uh, <laughs> he's primed and ready. And I suppose because that's his newest book as well. He's yeah. probably still in his, you know, his, his subconscious and all that mm. sort of thing. Paul, that's your first time you've interviewed Bob Curran. Yes, it is. Do, uh, what do you think of him? Well, the uh, the story about the Japanese monks was very, very interesting. It was totally new to me. I have never heard of it before. Never heard of it. No. Yeah, that's good. Have you heard of it before? No, actually, no. Yeah. No, that's the, that's I was expecting more about. Uh, the African side of the uh, mm. yeah, he yeah, seems to be more kind of prompting the Japanese. Yeah, of. it is more interesting to see that. It's yeah, because sort uh, of everywhere in that book, I was expecting. Uh, I know he, he knows obviously a lot about Ireland and, and that area. I expected it to be more localized, and I'm surprised at how much research went into that book. Um, because well, it, it 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 covers a huge area, really, doesn't it? And the amount of research in it, he, he must have put a lot of effort into it yeah definitely. And I, I hope it does well for him and his future books he seems to have a lot of enthusiasm for, for write, book writing yeah no definitely and it's good that he you know that he has a forum to release it all yeah oh, well when the website is up that should be yeah because if you're looking on the internet <coughs> I know the guests we have on sitting now uh, obviously names and and forces to be reckoned with as it were if you're uh, searching on Google, for instance, for Bob Curran, yeah, there really isn't not. really much about him. No, even though he's a he's a big figure in in, in sort of all of that to- the topics. So I think when he gets his website up, it's it'll be a lot better for him. Yeah, promotion wise as well. Uh, music today came from the Melvins, if you didn't already know. Um, it's the free track uh, from the album Nude with Boots, uh, which you can download yourself. Actually, I'll stick a link directly up to it on the site, but basically if you go to southern, www.southern.net and you actually need the, w, the triple W on that and look up the Melvins and the album Nude With Boots <clears throat> and it's the free track that you can listen to on that. It's uh, The Kicking Machine. It's really, really good. I yeah, love the Melvins. it was one of the only tracks that was of my sort of musical taste. <laughs> really? <laughs> Don't take you as a Melvins fan. That's really yeah. Well, no, the music was uh, right, the sound of the music. Yeah, because we play some pretty odd stuff yeah, on here, don't we? Weird <laughs> so, stuff. Yeah, so I guess, yeah, no, that's, that's cool. And uh, It's more mainstream, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Well, if you want to get in contact with... Oh, no, actually, before we go on to that, we've got some we've got some awesome guests coming up. I can't actually announce one of them, but one of them's huge. It's, I can't believe we managed to get him. It's he's uh, All I'll say is he's written many comics that have been turned into films. Uh, he's definitely up the City Now Avenue of... Uh, <coughs> Of guests, so I've pretty much revealed it's one of two people basically, and we'll we're, probably get the other one as well. <laughs> we're, still, we're still getting lucky with our guests. Yeah, just, definitely. Yeah, we're, yeah. We're just lucky, I yeah. guess, when we, you know, touch wood. Oh well, you can say <laughs> luck, but perhaps perhaps they realise just what a good brand this is. Sitting <laughs> <laughs> out brand. Yeah. We have sneakers out before you know it. Sneakers? What does this? Oh, trainers. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we're English, we're not American. And okay. now we're branching out, of course, into the um, the uh, reviews and all on the website. Great mm. idea that was. Yeah. yeah, really yeah. I think that's going to really promote the brand. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, if you want to get in contact with me, uh, email me at ken at sitting now. Jacob is jw at sittingnow.co.uk. 
Paul, is Paul at citynow.co.uk. Someone email him, please, for the love of God. In fact, fact, I think what we should do in this podcast is appeal for people, if they want to get in touch with any of us, (laughs) do it through Paul, because he's sitting at home, he's he's really, you know, he wants an email. He's twiddling his thumb. My email account is connected to my mobile phone, so I actually get a ring (laughs) with a new email. Was that somebody emailing you just a minute ago? No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. You were hoping it was, weren't you? I was hoping. This isn't a live programme, so it's not happening. But yeah, give give Paul an email. Yeah, send He's, him uh, an email. And he, uh, also, we need more people to write. Yeah, we, we want some, not junk email. We've got we want a certain type of writer as well. So I mean, if you could, if you want to write for the site and you want to receive free CDs and books and all sorts of stuff, but you have to actually review them. Don't actually, just take them. On that. Uh, Bob mentioned in the interview that he's uh, back into comic mm. writing, and we've got that a comic. Be, yeah, we've in actually the got one. section. So if anybody's up for that, this is one announcement. We've actually got Scott Corelli from uh, GeekShow.us. Uh, he does Two Geeks and Mike in a podcast. He does Geek by Night. He's done all sorts of crazy, really good podcasts, and he's a really good writer. And um, he's going to be doing. The two of us are actually going to be writing about kind of fringy comics that we like, including things like. You know, um, Alan Maud, you know, the, the preacher, Lucifer, all this kind of stuff, and yeah, it should be cool. And uh, but yeah, I think we should probably bugger off and let these people get back to their lives. Yeah. So uh, we'll get back to his emails. Check, make sure you come to the site because we are really starting to, you know, put a lot of content up now and lots of reviews and features. I'm just about to write one on an anonymous trolling Opera Winfrey, which is yeah, it, cool. it did seem for a while that it was fading out the site, but we're actually still moving up. We're still, yeah, yeah. The projects and uh, it's just beginning now. Yeah, I mean, we've really actually only just started the site yeah. part of the site, as it were, really. Because yeah. we've, I mean, we've only we're really up in a lot of stuff up there now, and it's becoming more of a kind of, you know, multimedia outlet. <laughs> for use for better. Like word. I said, it's a br- it's a brand. It's a brand. <laughs> but yeah, okay. So make sure you go to the site in case you don't know what it is. It's sittingnow.co.uk or .com. Uh, doesn't matter which one. And you don't need a www for that one, which is no. quite cool. In fact, I went onto a web. I shouldn't really be saying this, but I went onto a website the other day. And I typed in not the www bit mm. like you normally do when you go on a site, yeah. and it wouldn't load. But I typed in the www bit, and mm. it would load. Yeah, some sites are like it's, that. It's, it's like the it's southern really one. Stupid. You, you know, if you want to check that Melvin's track out, um, you have to type in the www. I think mm. I don't know why, but anyway, yes. Yeah, so check us on the web. We'll see you next week with Austin Gandhi, who's the uh, the secret third member of Out There Radio, and we're going to be doing a Magic 101 episode, um, which is more. Uh, you know, we're going to look through the history of magic, the effects of it, and stuff. And Austin's awesome; he's really good. If you check out the Secret Chiefs Battle of the Secret Chiefs episode of Out There Radio, I think he also did one called the Eternal Pagan Psychodrama, which is like episode forty-eight or nine of Out There. You'll, uh, you know, you can hear what he sounds like on there. But he's a really cool guest, and he really knows his stuff, which is something we always appreciate on this show. Um, so yeah, uh, we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye-bye.